So good to see you guys. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to those who are joining us live stream online this morning. So good to be in the house of God today. Wow. You know, we're living in extraordinary times, but let me just, let's just pray. Can we just pray? Let's just commit this time to God right now. Father, I just thank you that you're so much a part of our lives. You said in your word, we're the apple of your eye. Whenever you look at humanity, you have this am amazing ability to see the individual. You see, you, you see us. You see me. So grateful that you, your eyes on me for good. That your goodness and your blessings, Lord, are something that, there are things that literally chase us, can overtake us, your word says, because you are such a good God. Father, we're going to commit this time to you in the word of God. I pray this this word, this message would bring light and revelation to our spiritual eyes and that we would, it would impact the way that we live today. Father, help us to get a new view of you and what you're trying to say today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say welcome, uh, welcome everyone. If you're, you're new here today, say welcome to City Light Church, his house, his home, his family. And if you're looking for a church to belong to, a family, belong to us. Be with us. We'd love to have you be with us. Amen? So, today we're finishing off this last message in the series called Shift. And today I'm going to talk about the Beatitudes. So, a little bit different message than maybe what we've had in this series so far. But let me start off by saying this. Perhaps... We are living in the most important season of our life so far. That we are in and we're literally heading into the greatest, the most unprecedented, unprecedented times of change. And we see that happening globally and we'll also see that happening locally and we'll see that happening in our own lives. I want to remind you that there are two worlds that affect us, two worlds that we can be in. See, we can be in the kingdom of light or we can be in the kingdom of darkness. As a believer, we're citizens of the kingdom of light, right? So there's the kingdom of light, there's the kingdom of darkness. I want to tell you that God is moving. The kingdom of God is advancing. God is moving, but at the same time, the kingdom of darkness is kicking back. And so at the same time, the prophet says, prophet says the devil is kicking up a lot of dust. I truly believe, like many other scholars, pastors, uh, believers, that we are living in the end of the end times. We're getting close to the end. I, we don't know how far that's going to be, how long that's going to take to end, but we are living in the sense that we're living in the end times. And at this, at, with everything that's happening around us, we still... We're seeing encouraging signs of revival that are happening. And we see it in the school uh, in Kentucky called Asbury University. But listen, what's happening in Asbury University is now happening in over two dozen colleges in, in and across America. And Father, let it come here. You know, we're hearing reports. We're also hearing reports of thousands upon thousands of Muslims who are coming to Christ in those Arab countries. They're actually getting divine visitations. 
dreams about Jesus and they're getting saved. God is moving all over the world. God is also moving like crazy up in the Arctic, in the Arctic Circle. Holy Spirit's moving. There are things happening. People are getting saved, delivered. You know, and there are incredible things that are happening around the world. I want you to listen just to, a little bit to what's happening in another university in, in, in America called Lee University. And, and that report says, Holy Spirit is now moving in a big way on another college campus. Now the campus pastor, Lee, or sorry, uh, campus pastor of Lee University, name is, his name is Rob Fultz, said that revival has also started breaking out as, at his school. It started up breaking out on his school on Monday, and that's probably maybe um, a couple of Mondays ago, with about eight students starting a prayer that ignited a movement. They were actually talking about the Asbury revival, he, sa he said of these students. And one of the students asked the professor, why not here and why not now? Can we go to the chapel right now and pray for revival on our campus? The group did just that. And the results were incredible. Folks said, we've seen salvations, deliverance, healings over the past last 24 hours. He continued, it's just been a phenomenal, humbling, incredibly delicate move of God. Spiritual activity at Asbury seems to be sparking a chain reaction across and into other campuses. Fultz believes the next big cultural revival will come through the current generation. This is something that God really impressed on my heart for this generation. The greatest revival in human history will come in this generation. Are you a part of the generation? You are! He said, it may not look like anything that we've ever seen before, but it will happen. He believes the events unfolding in Asbury and Lee are a result of a pure hunger for a true encounter with Jesus. Fultz believes young people are looking for something more genuine and dynamic. But this generation, I think, the weight that they're carrying in, carrying in is demanding something way more authentic, something way more real, he said. And I believe it's that hunger for holiness, that hunger for a true encounter with a divine God is really what's driving their hearts and their passion to really just keep pursuing Him. He says, I believe they're going to see Jesus move in, in undeniable unbelievable ways. I say, God, bring it on. Father, I pray that this revival, revival would literally spark a revival that would spread to every part of our culture right here in our, in our nation, in our province, and in our city. Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. We are moving into the greatest days, I believe, for the church. It's kind of like that narrative in The Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, when he starts by saying, it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. It was a season of light, and it was a season of darkness. And those words are so, you know, they, they seem to describe what's happening in the world today. There's, there's the light of God, but there's this incredible darkness that's happening in our world. 
And that's why I believe this scripture in Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3, just really comes to the forefront today and to the church. Where, where the prophet, where God says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. And then he says, Nations, nations will come to your light and to the brick and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is for today. Isaiah prophesies <clears throat> that nations will be coming to the light. They'll be literally coming in droves to Jesus Christ. And they'll be attracted. They'll be drawn by, the, by, by Jesus, by His light, by His love, by His mercy, <clears throat> and by His grace, and even by His acts of power. Let me, let me tell you, and this is so obvious, we live in this world today that's steeped in the negatives, e politically, economically. See, we're, we're, we're literally, we're on the edge of what seems to be a major recession. We're in the threat of war in our world. And I want to tell you, the world needs to see Jesus. Amen? Amen? And we need to see the world as Jesus sees it. Amen? There's an incredible scripture that God's bringing to light. It's almost in the middle of the book of Acts, Acts 10, verse 38, which says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how we went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was lived with them. Now, I want you to notice in this scripture, it says Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, he went around doing what? He went around doing good. I believe the first thing that people sensed and they saw when they, when they looked at Jesus, the first thing they saw was his goodness, was his kindness, was his nature, was his character, was his compassion. And I believe it drew people to him by the droves. And I believe that he literally exuded from the nature of his father who said God the father who so loved the world I believe Jesus didn't have to do a thing all he had to do was come in to the midst of a, of a in front of a person in front of a crowd and 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 this this incredible love this incredible mercy and grace literally flowed out of him and notice after right after that it says and he went out healing all. He saw his goodness. They were attracted by his goodness. And then he went out healing all. Question. Could it be, could it be that Jesus' power, his anointing, the power that flowed out of him, flowed out of his goodness? Out of his, because of his nature, because of who he was. Amen? Could it be on your PowerPoint that if we have, if we have the nature of Christ, of Jesus, that God will entrust us with the power of Jesus. You know, in the, pa in, in the past, and even today, we see this huge discrepancy in the church. See, 
we are way more focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, than we are on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the nature and the character of Holy Spirit. We tend to be way more focused on power rather than character. And if you study the course of church history, we've seen incredibly gifted people, gifted people who did not have the character that they needed, and they failed, and they fell, and they ended up misleading a lot of people. And that's why 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 tells us, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, what? Goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. We are told to add these things to our faith, aren't we? But the question, can we do that on our own? Can we really do that? No, we can't do that. God is so gracious. We can try to fight sin. We can try to overcome addictions. We can over, try to overcome our, what comes out of our mouth. You know, some, you know we, we, can, we can't overcome those on our own. We can't do those things without help from, from God. So what does He do? He gives us Himself, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad that God gives you the Holy Spirit? It's the work of Holy Spirit in us. You know what it's called? Transformation. It's called sanctify, sanctification. Being set apart for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from depression. Freedom from heartache. Freedom from sorrow. Freedom from disappointments. Freedom from the old life. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In Galatians 5.20, we know that most, most, most of us have memorized this scripture. Some of us have. But, but the Holy Spirit, He's the one. Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I heard a message by Chris Reed, Morningstar Ministries, and he declared this, the anointing that we need for the end time move of God is going to be when we focus on the fruit of the Spirit, personal character development. Remember what Jesus said in, in, in verse 14, verse 12? What I'm, about, what I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. In fact, they will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. Reed says, when the fruit or the nature of God is in his people, that's when his anointing will come for the great, greater works of God 
through his people. I believe Jesus still saves. He still heals. Jesus still delivers. And he's going to do it today. And he will do it. But how will he do it? Through his people. Through his body, through his church. We were created in Christ Jesus as new creatures, as the new creation to carry the power and the anointing of God in our lives. That this power would flow out of our lives like streams of living water to the hurting, to the lost, to the hungry, to those who are dying spiritually. Listen, we serve a God who makes his presence known. He manifests himself, himself in supernatural ways. Acts 2 verse 17 and 19 tells us that God is a God of signs and wonders. Amen? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. He doesn't leave anyone out, does he? I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. prophesy. We are going to see a revival of the prophetic movement. In, in, in the land. And we will see it right here in City Light Church. Amen? I'm declaring that right now. They will prophesy, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. He's talking about judgment too as well. Acts chapter 5 verse 12 talks about the apostles. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. I believe it's God's choice to use us to manifest His power in the world. You were created for His power. Amen? Listen, we were created for His power. We are born of the Spirit. We are to be filled with the, Holy, with, with the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit. We're to be taught by the Spirit. We're to be kept by the Spirit. We're to be empowered by the Spirit, right? But let's not forget, first and foremost, we are to be transformed by the Spirit to the nature and the character of Jesus Christ. We are called, the Bible says, we are to be new creations where the old, our old flesh and our old self is gone and the new of Christ begins to take over in our life. Amen? Isaiah, Isaiah 43 verse 7, God says, Bring all who claim me as their God for I have made them for what? For my glory. You are made for the glory of God. It was I who created it. Remember that scripture? It says you are his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works in advance. But at first it says, first it says you are his workmanship. God is working on you. And through his workmanship, you are able to do his works, which he ordained you to do from the beginning of time. So on your PowerPoint, God wants to do a good work in you before he expects great things from you. I agree with the prophets. We need a revival in the teaching, in the preaching, 
on being more like Jesus, on the fruit of the Spirit, which will release the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like, put first things first. The horse before the cart. I believe there's a move of God coming, and I believe that God is asking the church and churches to make the shift. To shift from the focus, so much focused on the power and the gifts, but shift more, not just to the power and the gifts, but shift to the fruit, to the character and the nature of Christ in us. Shift to more teaching and preaching on how to view the world like Christ and how to treat the world like Christ. To discover the value and the beauty of every single person that God created. So when we look at people, we don't despise them, we're not prejudiced, we don't see through their color or their race or their background, but we love people the way that God loved them, the way that Jesus looks at them, amen? To be truly Christ-like, to be a holy people. In the last days, the Bible says that there are going to be a lot of people that have a form of godliness, but they, don't, but they, but they lack power. They have no power. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5 the New Living Translation writes it this way. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And it says, stay away from people like that. Every church, every church has something very special. And it's almost unseen, but it's such an important part of that church. It's called the lampstand. It's the spiritual light of the church. The picture of that? Now, I believe that the fuel that keeps the light burning in that lampstand is passion. It's the worship of the people. It's purity. It's our desire to become holy, more like Him. It's per our pursuit. It's a pursuit of Him. It's a it's our pursuit of truth, right? And not compromise. It's our, it's, our, it's our reverence for God. It's our faithfulness. It's our fire. It's the presence of Holy Spirit of Jesus in the church. And, G and Jesus in the, in the book of Revelation warns us that if we lose all that, then our lampstand will be removed. And I tell you, I've heard prophetic words today that are the prophets that are prophesying that many churches have drifted so far away from the real authentic and they become more worldly that, he's, that Jesus, that God is going to remove their lampstands and they will close their doors never to open again. And it's going to happen. And I'm saying, God, don't let that happen in our church. God, we just need your presence. God, we just want you so much. We're useless without you. We have nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer unless we have your presence in our midst. Amen? With all the other, I said, with all the preaching and the teaching that's going on all over the place, and I'm not saying it's bad, it's good, but we can't miss out on this point. The reason one of the big reasons Jesus came was he came to preach the kingdom of God. He came to teach the, the kingdom of God. 
And every kingdom has a constitution. And the constitution of the kingdom of God, you know what it is? Let's go to the next slide. Next. Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the constitution of the kingdom of God. And Jesus spoke it from a mountain. It's the Sermon on the Mountain. God also spoke in the Old Testament from a mountain. Remember that? And this setting from which Jesus spoke, it was like an amphitheater, amphitheater type setting. You know, where everyone could hear very easily what he was saying. But you, have, you, know, you know, you read that, you know, what, what, how Jesus shared that, and you notice that Jesus never had to, to yell or scream to make a point, did he? Everybody heard that. And this is the time when he spoke that, that incredible, the most sermon, important sermon that's ever been preached in the history of this world and ever will be, maybe. It was a time when literally thousands upon thousands of people were streaming and to follow him and they gathered around that mountain and he taught them. Powerful message. Same message that you and I need to hear today. Amen? And it's still the same. Jesus started that sermon with what, what is noted as the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of things of evil, say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus says, blessed, happy are those who take on these attributes, who take on these characteristics. Now I say it's true. We do need to train people to walk in the supernatural. But it's when we focus on the nature of Christ, on the beatitude, the fruit of the Spirit, that we will see the power of God flowing through us like never before. I believe when we do that, we will have a new anointing for the greater works of God. <coughs> Excuse me. The kingdom of God is something Jesus talked about all the time, didn't he? The kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a woman kneading bread. The kingdom of God is like laying down. And then the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is counter to the culture of the world. The kingdom of God is what we call an alternate society. It's opposite in how it operates, in its values, in its attitudes. It's upside down to the world. And that's what Jesus came to announce. The kingdom way the government of God. And many times through the, through in, in, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, uh, chapter 7, he says, you have heard it said, 
you have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. In other words, I want you to rethink everything the world has told you. Amen? I believe there's a shift coming to move us into the kingdom, of, into the kingdom culture and into a kingdom mindset and not a worldly mindset. I believe the kingdom of the world has so infiltrated the church that it's, it's kind of lost its salt and light. And I believe this is the re very reason that we are sometimes so ineffective in our ability to reach our world for Jesus. And we see that particularly, I believe, in North America and in Canada. We have not been the salt and the light. And God, and Jesus here introduces the kingdom with the constitution, the government of God, which is the rule of reign, and rule of reign of God in the hearts of men and women, you and I. And you know, I believe that some of the greatest opposition against what Jesus is trying to design into the church is the resistance within the church. See, we try to, we were trying to teach and model Jesus, the real nature of Jesus in the church. See, we come to church to be touched and changed and challenged by God, not to be entertained. We're not here just to have a good time. We are, church is a great time. We have fun, we have life. It's great to be in the house of God. But we need to come out of here changed, challenged by the word of God, the plumb line drawn down. I want to be challenged. I don't want to live, a, I don't want compromise. I'm sick of compromise. I want the real, authentic thing. The thing that Jesus designed and meant us to have. Amen? Truth that sets us free. Amen? Jesus faced resistance in his time by the religious people of his day. In his sermon, today and to us is the same thing. I'm bringing a big change. I'm asking you to make a shift. We look at success, the way the world designs success in our fallen world. Success, really, all these things that the world teaches about success literally goes against the Beatitudes that Jesus is trying to teach here. You know, the world tells us, be successful. How do you be successful? By being number one. By taking adva advantage of everything and everyone. Billboard yourself. You know I believe that God has called us to be successful, right? I mean, we talk about success builders. But our success has not just to be for ourselves. As believers, we want our success to magnify and to glorify God, the ways of the kingdom. Amen? And if it's not, it's carnal. And I believe also as we look at our churches, and you know, as pastors, I say to other pastors too as well, we need to evaluate the things that are in our churches right now. Because even in our churches, we're, we're sensing that there's this sense of worldliness that's still in our church, the sense of competition, right? Comparison. There's a sense of position and title seeking, right? Because if you don't have those, one, then you're nothing, right? You've got to have those. There's a grasping. And sometimes it's not really outwardly, but it still can be still in the heart. And it's carnal. Jesus said, not first be blessed. Eight times he said, blessed are you, happy are you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I had a good interpretation on this. In other words, the kingdom of God is for everyone. Even for poor, 
even for the poor, even for average people, for people who don't have it all together. Aren't you glad about that? When Jesus said that to the Pharisees, they, they took it as a major insult because they spent their whole lives reading, studying, and memorizing the Pentateuch and the, and the Torah. And, and so, and why did they do that? So that all the common everyday people would look up to them as authorities, as models to follow. Jesus didn't like that. I believe that true, genuine humility and meekness sometimes says, you know what? I'm not so good. I'm not so holy. Sometimes I mess up. I fall. I fail. I goof up, mess up. Sometimes I do that. And sometimes I, I don't pray like I should. Sometimes I don't read the word like I should. When you think about it, who did Jesus call? Who were the first ones that Jesus called? The first, his first call was to the fishermen. Raw, uncultured people, foul-mouthed fishermen, right? Then who's the next people he called? Right? The tax collectors, like Zacchaeus. He was hated. He was thought to be a criminal. But Zacchaeus had this thing in his heart, says, Jesus, I'm not that good. But I'm so glad that you accept me. And I want to be like you. I'm not so spiritual. He called the fishermen, he called the tax collectors, and then he called you and me. He calls us. He calls us. Are we perfect? Are we better than they are? No. There's an old song that God brought back to my memory that as a, as a believer I used to sing all the time. It was, it was this song. It says, Jesus, take me as I am. Does anybody remember that song? Somebody, right? Remember the words of that song? I, I won't sing it because you'll walk out of here if I do that, right? Jesus, take me as I am. I could come no other way. Take me deeper into you. Make my flesh life melt away. Make me like a precious stone, crystal clear, finely honed, life of Jesus shining through, giving glory back to you. I believe there's a move of the Spirit coming. And God's not looking for the spiritually elite. He's not for the big, you know, big leaders to say, I'm a leader. I, I believe that God is going to use the common grassroots people for this next move of God. People who say, you know what, I don't have much to offer. But Lord, I just want to be your hands, your feet, whatever. Lord, use me. Amen? Use me. You know what Jesus would say back to you? Yeah, you are well. You're a sinner? Yeah, you are well qualified for the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are the meek. Amen? And right after that, after he gave those beatitudes, Jesus said these words in Matthew 5.13. Let me tell you why you are here. In other words, let me tell you why you exist. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your youth, usefulness and will end up in the garbage. God forbid. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on the hill. If I make you light bearers, 
You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on the light stand, shine, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Nations will come to his light, to those who take on his nature, to those who invite him into themselves and let them work, let him work in them, to those who will allow him to develop them and to transform them into the likeness of his son. So that when they see us, they're going to see Jesus. And they're going to come in droves. Amen? And let's face it. This world that we see right now, I tell you, it's probably going to get way worse than it even is right now. It's going to get worse. I believe that. But I believe that this is the time God is saying, it's time to stand up. It's time to rise up. And it's time to shine for Jesus Christ. Amen? It's time to, to, to speak up, right? Time to speak up, to speak out. Speak out against injustice, against the immoral decisions that are being made in our world, against the sin and the filth that's being promoted. Let's fight against those things. I say let's be freedom fighters, amen? Let's fight for the freedom from all this, this garbage that's happening in our world. Let's fight. Fight for yourself. Fight for your family. Fight for your children. Fight for the next generation. Amen? We have a responsibility in this world to be salt and light. You have a very high and holy calling on your life. Don't you? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And salt, what is salt for? It's for preserving. It's for influence. It's for seasoning. It makes you salty. Then he said, you are the light of the world. Your life, your words, your attitude, your actions can be and should be a light to draw people who are in darkness. Amen? Listen, it's a holy life that God's calling to you. A holy life. In other words, God wants everything. And it's also a holy life. A holy life. God wants you to live a separated life. And God wants you and I to follow, simply follow in the footsteps of Jesus. As our example, 1 Peter 2 verse 1, For God called you to do good. To do good. Even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow in His steps. Wow. We are called to simply follow Him and allow Him to conform us to His image. It's just a matter of surrender. It's just a matter of passion. It's just a matter of pursuing. And I tell you, we're all broken people. I'm a broken people. I, can, I don't even want to tell you the sin I came out of, but I know the power of God and the delivering, healing power of God. That, that, that gives me the privilege and honor of standing up and speaking to you today. He heals broken lives as we simply yield ourselves to him in this loving relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 17, finished with the scripture. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Will you say with me these words? Are you ready? Say with me these words. Right? 
in this world, I am to be like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow your heads, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the challenge of this word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, it's by your spirit. God, we just want to yield ourselves to you today. Say, God, change us. Make me like your son. Transform me more and more and more every day into the image of Jesus, God. Help me to love, see the world that you see it. Help me to love like Jesus is, like, like, like he loves. When people, when I'm around, let the presence of Jesus literally exude out of me. And I find myself standing, even by myself, suddenly people start, being, start coming and standing near me, wondering what this incredible presence of love is around you. Thank you, Jesus. Transform us into the likeness, son, of your son, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Today I want to speak to someone here. I want to tell you that God wants you to be his child who moves forward into something new, fresh, alive. But listen, you have to give up your old ways in order to receive this new life. If that's you and that's what you need, then today I want to lead you in a most powerful prayer. But listen, you've got to really mean it. So if that's you, bow your heads, close your eyes, and, let, and say this to the Lord, Lord Jesus, Thank you for suffering on the cross, shedding your blood to pay for my sins. Please forgive me for all the sins in my life, all those things that I'm ashamed of. And now I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, take over, and be leader and Lord of my life. Make me into that new person. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Then, will you please just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed? Now, if you said that prayer, you're here. Will you please raise your hand? Just wave it. Just wave it. And if you said that prayer, right after, go back to the uh, the welcome lounge. What do we call it? To the connections kiosk. There's a there's a booth back there. I want to tell you that God is the next step of faith for you. An incredible life. It's just your first step. If you said that prayer and you're watching online. Let us know by touching that hand near the bottom of the screen. We'll connect you to someone too as well. Amen? God is so good. God is so good. The greatest decision you could ever make is to receive Christ into your heart. If you said that for us, say congratulations. Welcome to the kingdom of God. And welcome to the family of God too as well. 